Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Time once again to talk to the Hall of Famer, the playmaker, Michael Irvin, here on 95.7 The Game on Damon and Ratto. And, Michael, we've got a 49ers overtime win and a fun one on New Year's Day to talk about. A few other games from the weekend as well. But we have to start with the situation last night in Cincinnati. Everyone knows what happened. We still don't know what the ultimate outcome will be. But take us through your headspace as you were watching it unfold. What were you thinking in real time as we were all sort of looking on in Cincinnati at a situation that I think everyone involved was completely unfamiliar with? Completely unfamiliar with. And, and you know, even today when we're working, uh, I talked about it because, you know, our job is to bring our knowledge, but also our experiences to the death. And this is something... And what we watch with the Hamlin that very few of us have real, real experience or real knowledge about, about, you know, it's just a difficult and a different situation. Now, the closest thing I can draw, and, and I try to draw from it, was 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 uh, my moment in, in Philadelphia when I thought my neck was broken. Uh, I was paralyzed, and, and I remember looking up and having my best friend, my great one of my great friends, Dion, praying over me. And me not knowing the severity of me laying down there while I was laying down there until I saw their faces and seeing how afraid they were. That's what I saw last night while I was watching. You know, I saw the faces of all the guys around and it, it told me just, just, just how, how big, how deep that moment was and and you know how I just I, I I drew back on that, and I was like, wow, you know, it's just just so hard to watch, man. You know, you you know you're risking bones. We understand ligaments and all of that. Not one time have I ever taken the field thinking that they'll have to revive me on the football field. I just never thought that kind of situation can happen. Yeah, you may break a bone, you may tear some ligaments, uh, lift up some ligaments. But restart your heart. That's a whole different world. And now I guess you must you have to take that on the football field with you too also the time you go. Could you have imagined the players wanting to play once this happened? Um, I mean, given the fact that they didn't seem to want to play and that both coaches pretty much were backing them on that. Could you imagine a scenario in which you'd be asked 
to resume playing football? And would you be able to say, no, I don't think so? And as it, but we're so, we're so um, trained and, and so ingrained that you, you take the blow and keep moving, whatever it is, usually in a practice, even in practice, somebody gets hurt. Move the practice up five yards, just keep it going while you're attending to that person. You just keep it moving. So you kind of get conditioned to it. But this is something different. As I said, you gotta uh, you, you resuscitate someone on the football field. And it's, it's just, even though you're trained to move on, let's keep it going, let's keep going. There's no way it could have come, it could have gone on and played that game. They did the right thing and called it out. They did the right thing so far in saying, hey, we have no plans to reschedule this as of now for this week. Let's just focus on the health of DeMar Hamlin. DeMar Hamlin's heart stopped. CPR was obviously performed. They discovered a heartbeat on the field, loaded him into the ambulance and brought him to what is luckily for him one of the best hospitals in America. And I hope that everyone there will be able to do and, and, you know, create all the gifts that medicine has given us to just bring this man back to, you know, a life, not even a football life. Uh, we'll see what happens. You know, it's, it's very, very concerning. Um, the amount of time that they stopped that game, I actually did think back to your injury because that was about a, you were on the field at the vet for about 15, 20 minutes, which in football stoppage time feels like a full day. Um, were you ever able to talk to your teammates about what they felt? Like you said, Deion Sanders was praying over you. Did you ever ask them how difficult it was to continue their day at work after you had as about as, you know, I would say, Michael, that your on-field injury was about as scary an injury to a high-profile player we had ever seen. But again, it was not a matter of life and death. It was serious enough to think, will this man ever walk again? But there's a difference between paralysis and dying. Last night was an actual visit of the question, life or death. And that's what made it so scary. Do you remember talking to your teammates about what it was like to continue going forward having seen what happened to you? I, I, I did have conversations with him, and and Dion and, and I were talking about that afterwards. He said, man, you have to understand what we saw. You know, he said, man, this whole team, we've seen you get up, you've always led the team, and you you were the heart and soul. He said, now, he said, we I, when we were looking at you, we saw fear. In your eyes, that it was like, that we've never seen. You know, you attacked the football field. I didn't know you saw fear in my eyes, and I guess you saw it because I was looking at them. So, you know, it was. It, it's just such. It's such a difficult thing when you go on the field. You, you, you know, there's a possibility of those things happening. What we witnessed last night. You don't ever go on the field thinking there's a real possibility of you. You may lose a limb. But we never thought you may lose life. Michael Irvin with us here on 95.7 The Game. And I'll tell you the one thing that was officially the sign that something was completely abnormal was the fear that you saw on the players' faces around him. I've never seen 
more two concern teams in any sport. I don't think ever. And and that to me was the message that the NFL probably should have responded to faster than they actually did. That this game is is it, look, it was secondary before the evening began. Right now, it's it's absolutely secondary. Were you surprised that the league actually tried to play the show must go on card? having been involved in this league as long as you have and knowing that, you know, business in many instances is the priority even over player safety or mental health? Well, I, I understand uh, that there are other sides to, to, to the game that I grew up playing and love as a kid. You know, I can love it as a kid. We can all love it as, as something we watch and everything. But the truth of our facts to it is it is a, 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 a very very prospering business you know it, 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 that's the reality of it so no I, I understand the NFL they have to get these games played and they were you know trying to move you towards playing the games I also commend them because because obviously they, they, they did listen in you know they, 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 them wanting to move play that game and keep it playing I expect that that's, that, that's, that's, that's their side of it but at least they listen or they receive what they were getting from the players and everybody involved that know this got to stop right we, we we can't move forward we can't play a game this time as many times as we moved forward in practice when somebody got hurt or kept it going this time you can't play this game and and, and i'm glad they did the right thing um Given the crowd reaction in Philadelphia when you got hurt, uh, were you at all surprised that the stadium last night immediately went from, you know, football mode to concern mode and that it stayed that way to the point where Bills and Bengals fans were going together to the hospital? I I I I'm I'm I am surprised and I don't think I'm real surprised but it was a pleasant surprise to see. Even today, as we move forward, we talk about how we compete on the football field, but the truth is we as players always talk about it's a fraternity, we're part of a family. You know, hearing how many times that I've heard it quite a bit and we just put it on our show that that his go that his that his charity. You know, he he wanted to raise twenty five hundred, and now you see that 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 that, that funding is over four million. They say it's the same thing that we feel inside when we talk about we're we are a fraternity, we're a brotherhood, we are a family, and uh, in, in NFL that it's the south outside because that's all fans from everywhere from air, you know feeling this that the Buffalo and Buffalo fans and Buffalo players are going to and trying to do any little thing they can to help. So that says a great thing I think about about the people out there. Michael Irvin here on 95.7 The Game. To the business at hand of the league that has nothing to do with how serious last night was to the, the nonsense that is actual football games. Uh, the 49ers, I think, just went through a valuable exercise in Las Vegas because they won a game, a, a game that they probably thought was going to be a little bit easier before they started playing it. But Jared Stidham had an awful lot for this 
defense. Uh, as a matter of fact, only Patrick Mahomes really had more for the 49ers defense. The Raiders had what was a glorious game plan that they executed very, very well. And the game basically happened in the opposite way 49er games have equaled winning equations this year. To put Brock Purdy in that situation, I think is a very valuable learning tool as he assumes the reins going into the playoffs to make him uncomfortable, to make him play from behind, to not have a defensive control of an afternoon. I actually think that that's one of the more important games of the entire season for the 49ers. Well, because now, now the thing, the needle has moved, or we used to call it goalposts, has moved back and all that, you change it. But the reality is, these are two fold games that you're playing now. There's no longer the one fold. Hey, let's get this thing set up. Let's get going into the playoffs. It's also what experience can we get going into the playoffs because of our quarterback, Brock Purdy. Now, see, so he, he's playing the games, but he has to learn certain things as he goes through these games to prepare him for the playoffs. So in that sense, the, that was a great experience for him, a tight game like that. Fight back, keep going. I got to go into overtime and make a play to win this game. To have that kind of thing hanging over you is it, absolutely, I thought, a good experience for Brock Purdy. Not something you're looking for the football team, but certainly a good win for your team coming out on that side and a great experience for Brock Purdy. Uh, are there teams in the NFC that can do to the 49er defense what the Raiders did yesterday. I mean, they fell in love with the inside screen to Josh Jacobs, and it, and it did tend to not only hurt the 49ers at the point of attack, but it also made them a little more tentative rushing the quarterback. What other teams in the NFC could do that in a playoff situation? Well, that's a good question. That's a good question. Because, now, let me see. What, what, what are we talking about, too? Now, friend. Boy, who's going to do that to that defense? I, I, you know, I, I, I don't see it. I, I don't see any team that could do it. And I was even looking at what teams pick on that kind of run that offense. You know, you, you got the Packers that runs that same offense, um, you know, but certainly don't have the running game. But I, I don't see it. I, I, I don't, I don't see any team, any other team being able to give. That kind of those kinds of weapons that that the that um, Raiders threw at the 49ers and that kind of running game that I think it'll take. I just don't see anybody else in the NFC that has that. They could do that to that defense. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is one of the best football players on the planet. I mean, there's just no way to to deny yeah. his impact with the 49ers. This could go down as one of the greatest in season trades any team has ever made. He is awoke in their offense in a way, you know, we, we, we're fascinated by Brock Purdy. You know, there's a reason why the director of the game cuts to a close-up of the quarterback and a head coach almost after every single play. But the 49ers have scored 30 points in six of their last nine, 33 or more points in four of their last five, and more than 37 now in back-to-back -back games. And it's Christian McCaffrey that has unlocked this. Christian McCaffrey has been a great asset, no doubt. Either. But but I, when I was watching, I was watching today. I was watching. I went back a couple weeks. I watched the game uh, 
couple weeks ago. Ray Ray McLeod ran down that side. I said, God, look at the speed. And then this was then last week. You see Christopher McCaffrey breaking off those long runs. I mean, you get long runs every week. Every week now. You know, teams don't usually, teams don't get that. Those big 20 plus yard plays on the run from, from, from the running game. So yeah, Chris McCaffrey has taken it to another level. I think he's added to what, with that offensive, uh, Kyle Shanahan, even Mike Shanahan, that offense they put out, but that running game, but then you put a talented guy, cause that offense has already been, always been known to take a running back that's not the most talented and, 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 and make him a great running back. Now you take a very talented running back that is real talented put in the system. Now he goes to the next level. And that's what you're seeing in Christian McCaffrey. But I, 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 I'm serious. Even watching the last couple of weeks, I'm sitting and watching. And I tell you, I watch Ray Ray go down that right side line. Why? I watch Christian McCaffrey. And then I sit back here saying to myself, Damn. They don't even have Debo. Where did Debo get back? <laughs> you know what I mean? It, 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 that that was the thing I thought about when I watched Chris McCaffrey break up the middle in that game last week. Uh, given how the 49ers have sort of attacked their quarterback problem by basically working around it, and the number of teams that are not using the quarterbacks they started the season with. I think the number now is 17. Um, are you seeing the beginnings of a return to the reliance on the running game, even if it's not like the elemental run between the tackles kind of running game? Do you think this might be the beginning of a renaissance for great running backs in a league that has largely abandoned that in search of you know high-powered throwing offenses? Yeah, we're going to come back to it. We're going to come back to it. I tell you, we were in Germany when we were in Germany and we were working and doing the Bucks game. That's one of the things that at that uh, the Bucks head coach was talking about. He was talking about how cyclical the league is, you know, and, and you get at top three good years before you got to start putting in other things, you know, new systems, do other things because people get so good at it. But yes, we are returning to the run game. Was the, the the great support run game, which 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 is which is always interesting. Which is always interesting. And whenever you can win the fo- win football, running the football, especially down in the red zone, all the red zone teams that are very good in the red zone, all of them, I guarantee, they're going to be very good at running the football. Michael Irvin here with us on Damon and Ratto. Um, what do you think? would be the best outcome for Derek Carr? Because it looks like his era with the Raiders is over. If it were up to you to put him on another team to find success, where would you put him? Oof. Now, I, it, it, and, and I, I hope the team understands this too. Now, remember now, Derek, Derek's now in that, uh, I guess he's the Josh McDaniels system. You know, the Josh McDaniels system uh, that he brought over, and and remember what we always talk about with Tom Brady. That was always such, uh, you know, he played inside out in that system. Tom Brady played mostly inside. He had a good tight end. He had the Wes Welkers. He had the Julian Edelman, my boy that I work with here. He had all this, and that Derek Carr I've always thought was an outside in quarterback. 
He wants to play outside. That's his best friend out there, way outside. And Devontae Adams, you know, so so I'm like, okay, where if I take Derek Carr? I don't want to put him back in. Uh, uh, I want to put him in a system, more like a system I had when I was in Dallas, more of that timing system where, hey, you, I'm dropping back three, five, and seven steps. I'm making an easy read. I'm letting this ball go. I think his arm and his arm strength will work better in that system as opposed to a system like Josh, Josh McDaniels has where you're thinking so much as opposed to just letting your game play and your arm win. Uh, what do you make of the Packers at this point? Uh, they shouldn't be in the playoffs uh, at this point, but they kind of are. They just, you know, hammered Minnesota. Uh, is this Aaron Rodgers, you know, suddenly rising from the dead yet again? Or is this just a false positive in your mind? Well, you, you, okay, you start out those first couple weeks, you're talking about you beat Chicago and the Rams. I didn't go crazy when it beat Chicago and the Rams. But you came back and beat Miami. And I said, all right, Miami now. Miami had a pretty good team, but now they're on a five-game skier. This last win was a good win for them against Minnesota. So I was shocked that Minnesota did what they did, played the way they played, and let, and let Aaron Rodgers back in this thing. But but I don't think I don't think that I'm worried about Green Bay doing a whole lot of damage in the playoffs. Even if we talk about the top teams in the NFC, everybody would have said Minnesota was on the bottom of that rail. So, 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 so the teams I say they they beaten are still not the top teams in the NFC. But when you got Aaron Rodgers, you got a chance. You got a chance. But that's the last thing the Forty Niners should be worried about. Aaron Rodgers, David, he don't want to see Forty Niners. He'd rather see anybody except San Fran on his run on his run in the playoffs. So. Let's just assume the 49ers, you know, whether they're the one seed, the two seed, whatever, the playoffs have begun. Who is the best matchup coming to San Francisco? Who in your mind would be the worst? Oh, mm. <laughs> mm. that's a good one. That's a good one. Now, if, 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 if Jalen Hurts is back and playing well and in a rhythm, that'll be, be a good match because they can try to match some physical on physical. You know what I'm saying? Physical and physical. If you can stop the run and put it on Jalen Hurts, you'll have a chance to win that game. I said that would probably be that type of match. I don't want Dallas to see him. I don't want Dallas to stand playing. I told y'all that last year. I told you why last year. Until later on in the, in, in the playoffs, because I just think the way they run the ball and the defense they play, that's just, that's just, that's the kryptonite for Dallas. But the only other team I would say is probably, yeah. Uh, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. Let me just say, every single conversation we had with you last year was a pleasure, and every single conversation we've had with you this year. It's always a pleasure, Michael. Thank you, and Happy New Year. Is that crazy to think we're moving into 2023, man? <laughs> I just hope to my Amlin and his family just have a great 2023. And, you know, we were, I wanted to start off the right way with us getting great news about his condition. Thank you, guys, and Happy New Year's to everybody else, too. The one and only Michael Irvin here on 95.7 The Game. Great stuff from Michael. It always is. Who is the best matchup? Who is the worst matchup?
I mean, I, it, it's, it's tough to start guesstimating who can go out and duplicate what either, and this sounds nuts, the Kansas City Chiefs or the Las Vegas Raiders did. But that does seem to be, you know, that, you know, they either have what? Patrick Mahomes or Jarrett Stidham? That sounds nuts, but that's what we're looking like. I am glad, Ray, that they got to play that game with Brock down two scores. Like, what, what's that going to look like when that actually happens? And I don't think it was a great Brock Purdy game. It was a decent Brock Purdy game. He kept his composure, and that guy's got more composure than, you know, most, most first-round players have, much less seventh-round players. But, you know, on the very next drive... Down two scores, they answered. McCaffrey dotted the eye with a rushing touchdown. Ayuk had that big 16-yard run along the way. Brandon Ayuk might have played his best game of the entire year. And Purdy makes a big throw to Jawan Jennings to get back an awful lot of what was lost when they were looking at a, a first and nearly 20. That was maybe his biggest throw of the entire game. And look, I'm not even sure if Trent Williams had a bad game, but he had a really bad series in that game for sure. Two penalties on the drive right before halftime that went nowhere fast. But then the offensive line kept on opening the running lanes all day. And they kept it up when Aaron Banks had to leave. And they didn't allow a sack yet again. I mean, So for a game that had a lot of flaws to it, the Niners still got an awful lot right. Yeah, I don't subscribe a lot to those PFF grades, but they seem to like the left side of the 49ers offensive line a lot more than they like the right side. So I'm not sure if it was, you know, so much Trent Williams as it was maybe the right side of the line that had a tough, tough day. But I think we have to keep in mind yet again that A, Brock Purdy's a seventh-round pick, and B, he's now played another team that's not very good defensively. And the measuring stick for him, whether it's fair or not, is how does he do when the defenses get better? Philadelphia jumps immediately to mind. And I think Dallas, when it's healthy, jumps immediately to mind. Um, And that's going to be the test, you know, because he's been about the same guy in every game. And this is the first time that I think, you know, they've been, you know, they have not provided him with the huge advantage that comes from you know, a great defense. You know, what he's done basically has been, you know, wrapped around the benefits of of Christian McCaffrey. And that doesn't mean that he should be penalized for that. But at some point, he's going to face a defense that is stouter than the Raiders or Washington, you know, or or the disarray that is Seattle now. Um, And that's when the that's when you'll find out whether Brock Purdy's ready for this. Because I think who you play does matter. And so far, he has not been tasked either with having to provide extreme heroics or B, overcome a team that is beating the hell out of him. And I think that's coming at some point. Not this not this coming week, but you know, once once the chips get put in the middle of the table, that's when we'll get to find out whether Brock Purdy's up for this. Look, the 49ers defense just played its worst game of the season. And for those who want to say, well, the Kansas City game was worse. No, it wasn't. Because Patrick Mahomes does that all the time to anyone. Uh, Jarrett Stidham's never done that at any time to anyone. So that was the worst defensive afternoon of the entire year. 
I'm going to put on the road in air quotes because that wasn't a road game for the 49ers. It might have been on the road, but that was not a home field advantage that the Raiders had, not even close. That place was 80% Niners fans, it looked like on TV anyways. Um, You know, did Brock miss a few reads? He sure did. And this team still won. I mean, that that to me, that's a really good place to be operating from. And to see what he looks like when all the chips are stacked against him, you know, let's let's hope that that doesn't happen in the postseason. Let's hope that the Raiders game was as close as that goes. But I'm not betting against him, man. I'm not. And, and I really do think that Kyle Shanahan is, he's halfway found his quarterback, dude. I mean, he really has. I mean, it feels like he is more comfortable asking Brock Purdy to take a deeper shot, make a bigger decision, and I do know this, you know, since we're talking so much about Patrick Mahomes, Brock Purdy has turned George Kittle into Travis Kelsey. It's it's been amazing. The the awakening of George Kittle since it's been Brock Purdy time has been amazing. Really, really amazing. And this is happening without Debo even out there. They're not even but, at their full throat yet. But yesterday he only had four catches. Wasn't yesterday. I'm Sunday, my, my shame on you. No, shame on you. I love. Right, you I suck. Up. No, but I mean, it's it's it's. This is not about Brock Purdy. It's eventually. It's essentially about Christian McCaffrey. He's their offense. He's extraordinary, more, more than anybody else. And that's the thing that I think is the diabolical genius of Kyle Shanahan. As you look at the carnage of NFL quarterbacks this year, and I mean guys who either lost their jobs or gotten hurt. You know, the 49ers are not an extreme case, but the thing that Kyle Shanahan has done has made his offense less quarterback dependent than almost any other team. And that's because he's got a defense that almost always dominates the other team's offense. And he's got, in Christian McCaffrey, a guy who can make the offense incredibly simple so that Brock Purdy doesn't have to be heroic. All he has to be is not lousy. And, you know, he hasn't been lousy yet, and he gets credit for that. But he hasn't been extraordinary, and he, you know, and I'm not going to punish him for that either. Kyle Shanahan has made this an offense that doesn't rely on the quarterback. And that might be the future of the NFL because we're seeing now how many teams fall completely apart without their starter. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, 19 carries, 121 yards, a touchdown, six catches, 72 more yards, receiving an absolute stud. He was asked about Brock Purdy in the afternoon that he had. He was great. Uh, not only was he poised, but he he, uh, he took the throne, too, and, and made a couple calls in the huddle and just was, was very uh, definitive in the way he ran things, and everything was really smooth, and um, there was a couple things here and there, but you know, not with him, but with you know our team. But once again, it was just a good good time to have a game like that, um, and especially for him to to be able to go out there and stay poised and do what he did, and for Ayuk to carry us on that last drive, and uh, it was just fun to be a part of. It's, look, it was a fun football game. There was not a lot of defense played on either side by either uniform. But Although the Raiders' defense played according to Hoyle, because that's who they are every week. Well, yeah, you're right about that. But look, what's amazing is the 49ers have only one more loss than they've had starting quarterbacks this year. 
That is not how this league is supposed to work. And you might be a little onto something with a, I don't know if we can call it a, a diminishing of quarterbacking importance, but the dependency on an offensive line, controlling trenches, running clock, running game, and a couple of, you throw it to me for five yards and I can take it another 15 wide receivers, which, by the way, Brandon Ayuk is becoming and is right now. He's Debo Samuel's a lot of things. I don't know if he's their best wide receiver. I mean, I might, I might seriously be Ayuk at this point. Um, Purdy even talked about this. He says, it's just you just got to go out there and make the right decision. You basically got to run the team like a point guard. I mean, it just goes back to all the playmakers that we have. It's like guys have to dial things up to stop Christian and then George and then B.A. and then even Juwan and Ray Ray. It's like, man, it's difficult. And so all I have to do is, you know, like I said, trust in Kyle's game plan and, and just get the balls to those guys. And you saw, you know, you get the ball to a guy like Christian on a screen or whatever, and he goes however far. And same with Ray Ray. So um, all these guys are playmakers, man. So I just have to do my job and, and be a point guard and distribute it to the right guy. You know, like Michael Irvin was saying, there's kind of there, there's two things happening now in every single 49ers game. Of course, you want to go out and you want to win the game. That's how this league works. They're looking for a one seed still, but you're also trying to develop a guy to face a speed and level of football that no matter how much regular season success he has had, he has not seen anything like what is waiting for him come postseason play. Speaking of a one, a two seed. Kyle Shanahan had this to say. Uh, I think it's real important. I mean, our first goal is to get in the playoffs. Call it the tournament. And once you get there, you always have a chance for your ultimate goal. And everything about once you do get there is positioning yourself the best way you can. And, you know, we don't know until we come in, but them just telling us, being able to tell the, the team that right now that we have the two seed, if we can take care of business. I know that fires the guys up. And, you know, I think with Philly losing, it sounds like we got a chance at the other one, too. So our playoffs have started a long time ago is the way we look at it. And we're going to keep it going. Yeah, I mean, I, I I get that, you know, he would love to play one fewer game. And he'd like to play one fewer game with Brock Purdy because, you know, that further decreases the chances that he's going to have that bad game against somebody good. Uh, especially if you're the one seed. I mean, who do you come out with? You know, probably the four, if everything plays according to Hoyle. Well, who's the four right now? A very ordinary Tampa team which means that they could get to the conference final before they play somebody difficult. And again, it's, it's, with Kyle Shanahan, it's about percentages. It's lowering the chances that you run into a team that's better than you are or has things that you can't stop. So yeah, I, I can see where he'd consider that important. Real quick, Robin in San Francisco. Hello, Robin, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to both you and Ray. Two things real quick. Um, it's so funny uh, because uh, I remember a long time ago that uh, Kyle was asked, um, you know, I forgot the situation, what does it take, what does he look for in a quarterback? And he just said, uh, really, nothing special, just someone with the uh, IQ to uh, execute the plan. <laughs> I had the game plan. I was like, whoa. And so now it's interesting to hear Purdy say, uh, you know, I just go out there and make the decisions and execute Kyle's game plan. So I just thought about, oh, I want, you know, that connection there. Second, uh, second of all, what made me call in was Ray, you said, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, that 
the defenses or the teams or maybe in this game like to run or attack the left and you don't think that has anything to do with Trent or whatever. And it's interesting because I was listening to Alan Styles break down Brock Purdy the other day and he said that he noticed at, you know, he was breaking him down to, uh, uh, you know, what other teams might notice about his weaknesses. And he said what he noticed about Brock Purdy was that he doesn't like to go to his right, that he doesn't seem to uh, have the arm strength or, or whatever, but he just noticed that he doesn't like to go to his right. He noticed that those that those underthrown balls and every instances has been to his right side, and he thinks that defenses will pick up on that, these defensive coordinators. Just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Peace out, you guys. Happy New Year. If that's true, yeah, defenses will figure that out because it does not take a defensive coordinator very long to spot stuff like that. I mean, I don't know. I haven't noticed it myself, and maybe that's because Styles is smarter than me. But if it's true, defenses will absolutely force him to go right. And if you force him to go right, and that's a weakness, and I know that when he was at Iowa State, people would complain that his arm strength wasn't up to snuff. Um, if that's if that's true, yeah, the 49ers will have a problem that way. Meanwhile, Derek Carr. Like, what a terrible way to say goodbye to a guy who, at times, really was the only positive thing the Raiders had going for them. Especially when everything was falling apart. I mean, he was put in a bad situation right from the jump with Dennis Allen as his rookie quarterback. And then he got Jack Del Rio, or as his rookie head coach, as he's a quarterback. Um, and, and then he goes to Jack Del Rio. And then he gets Gruden, who, look, Gruden knew offense. But Gruden also gave him one of the single worst draft classes in NFL history. The guy goes from moving from Oakland to Las Vegas. He is the only like tangible credibility that the Niners or that the, the the Raiders had when like Khalil Mack was getting traded. He helped the team move past like the Henry Ruggs vehicular homicide story. He had to deal with everything that was Gruden, everything that was Gruden's exit. Um he was the only consistently respectable aspect of really the entire franchise and, you know, a at times galactically detached from the reality base that is Raider fans. Like half of them turned on him, too, at the very end, because that's what happens. And having said all the woe is me about Derek Carr's situation and how he was always put behind the eight ball by a team that was, you know, pretty much stunk around him. It, it was the right decision for the Raiders to say that'll be enough. I, I really do believe a fresh start is needed all the way around. And Jared Stidham, I'm not saying is the guy, but boy, he was... Look at it this way. There, there are two quarterbacks who have put three touchdowns on the 49ers defense all year. Patrick Mahomes and Jared Stidham. So... The, the decision to say we're moving on, we're protecting, or we're, we're, we're basically you know, selling ourselves liability insurance by sitting you down now, Derek, because we can't have an injury make automatic your $40 million that we're owing you next year. It, it was the right choice. It's a painful choice. It's, it's an inglorious ending to one of the best quarterbacks in the history of that franchise. But the, the cookie crumbles and nasty fashion sometimes in football. I'm also not convinced that he's played his last game with the Raiders. Only because Mark Davis is the guy who agitated for this. 
Uh, Vic Tafer wrote a piece in The Athletic last week about it, which was pretty interesting, that he's been down on, on Carr for a while now. In a show-it-to-me year, he didn't show it. Right. He, did not have, he has not had a good year. There's no question about that. But it's him wanting to get out from underneath the contract. But as we saw with Jimmy Garoppolo, if you don't have a better choice, maybe they come back to him at a greatly reduced price. And if Carr is sincere about all the times he said how if he's not going to play with the Raiders, he'd just as soon play golf, maybe the Raiders come back to him if they can't find a better alternative and say, okay, you can come back, but you're going you're gonna to play at $10 million, not 40 If I am Derek Carr's agent, I'm in his ear saying there is probably no one in this league who is due for a fresh start somewhere else more than you. And I wouldn't be giving any hometown discount for any emotions that you might have about this franchise before we find out who else might be interested. Because oh, no, oh, no, yeah, no. I mean, the Jets, the Panthers, the Patriots, the Texans, the Colts, the Titans, they all become better football teams with Derek Carr. There's no question that there's a market for him. All I'm saying is if Carr is that weirdly romantic about this team that and the other options aren't that much more appealing in terms of money or years, maybe this does happen. Maybe this does happen again. Because, you know, the Garoppolo thing I think has opened a lot of eyes to how people make judgments on quarterbacks. And in the disarray that is the position this year, and it is profound disarray. You don't sit there and go, well, maybe I can make this happen with Ryan Tannehill. You're making a sideways choice and you're not better off. So, I mean, without knowing what the day-to-day dynamic of the Raiders in that locker room is, and not knowing how Devontae Adams feels about losing one of his friends, because let's face it, Devontae Adams is as important to that team as anybody. Um, I'm just leaving the door open for the possibility that the Raiders will have to walk this back but do it back in a way that will mollify Mark Davis, which is at a much lower number. We have a few more things to sneak into the final segment, including the Correa situation and a couple of name checks from the NBA that have absolutely earned a name check based on what they have done either in the last month or just in the last night. So stick around. And a small piece of news on DeMar Hamlin. As soon as we come on back here to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game, we're brought to you by the Golden State Warriors. We're hosting Detroit tomorrow night on Andrew Wiggins' bobblehead night. Come get one. Yeah, first 10,000 fans. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <laughs> Now back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. Well, let's start with a couple of thank yous. Thanks so much to John for filling in for Lucas, who returns not at all today. He's still under the weather, unfortunately. Thank you very much, John. That's the green wave flu. Who's kidding who here? What's the green wave flu? Tulane. Oh, you're right. That's all. I guess he couldn't shut down anything either. No. So, uh, yeah, he's not sick. He's just whiny. Fight on, Lucas. Fight on. Grandy, thank you very much. Yeoman's effort today uh, out of you. Uh, as we wrap up here, Ray, I said a couple of things that get you name checked on the show. Donovan Mitchell, and he basically needed every point. But when you drop 71, you get name-checked on the show. And Donovan Mitchell hit 71 last night for the Cavaliers as they get past the Bulls in overtime. He was 20 of 25 from the free-throw line. I, I wonder if Steph Curry could get to 71 on a night where he got 25 free-throws. He could probably get to 70 without that. I mean... As long as the Warriors are shooting like 63s a game... Well, sure, but they're willing to do that apparently. Um, but the more important, the more impressive number. This is amazing. This is amazing. He was responsible for ninety-nine points last night between his own and the assists, the eleven assists he dealt out. It's the highest, the second highest number in the history of the game, behind only Wilt Chamberlain's hundred-point game. Did Wilt have any assists that night? He had several. But he was on a bad team. What I was, my, my first instinct was, what did Kobe do on the night he had 81? 
he's got to be third or fourth on this list, right? I mean, he's he's got to be. He well, only had two assists that night. Yeah, but still, that's 85. Not bad. So, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing he's up there. How about this? Remember how I, I fawn over Luka Doncic and people are like, Damon, why are you so nuts about Luka all the time? Why, do you go, why does he go so bonkers? Uh, here's why. I uh, saw this from Chuck Cooperstein, who does their play-by-play. I follow him on Twitter. Luka, in December, became the fourth player in NBA history to record at least 500 points, 125 rebounds, and 125 assists, joining Oscar Robertson, who did it eight times, Russell Westbrook, who did it twice, and Michael Jordan, who did it once. Starting with his 50-point triple-double at Houston, if you remember that a couple weeks ago, uh, starting with his 50-point triple-double at Houston, Luka is the first ever to have 225 points, 50 rebounds, and 50 assists in any five-game span in the history of the NBA. Uh, dude, again, if you need me to tell you that you're watching a special player, you don't know nearly as much about basketball as you think you do. And if you haven't figured out Luka right now, you don't know nothing. He is... Ray, if we had a straight-up NBA dispersal draft, based on his age, you'd be crazy not to pick Luka Doncic number one overall. Um, not necessarily crazy. I'm not arguing with your point, but I think you could make a case for Giannis because he's not old yet either. I think some people would be in love with Victor Wembanyama, even though he hasn't played a game at all yet, and Nikola Jokic. Jokic is pretty damn good too, man. Pretty I mean, damn it's, good. Yeah, it's yeah. Luka Doncic, I would love to see him on a better team or a Dallas team that has more options because I think he can be a little heliocentric from time to time. But he's got everything else. And I think if he had options to pass to that he trusted, I think he could be as good as you rave about. Well, that's the thing. You, you give him a team around him. His numbers come down, but he becomes a better player. Well, his assists go through the roof. He's averaging 15 a night, if that's a thing. Someone's like, this guy's a ball hog. Who who does he have to share it with? Yeah, he's a sensational player, but he is working largely alone. And some of that has to be his mindset, too, because I don't believe he trusts those guys yet. So that's that's up to the general manager and the coach to get better players or figure out better ways to utilize those players. Uh, Speaking of general managers and coaches... Brian Sabian and Bruce Bochy are both going to be back in baseball, but neither in San Francisco. Brian Sabian has agreed to be the executive advisor to and uh, the senior vice president to general manager Brian Cashman. So he's a Yankee once again. He's the guy who helped find Jeter. And Bruce Bochy is going to have the Rangers fighting with the Astros and Mariners for American League West title in year one. I really believe that. Look at the pitchers he's got to work with already. Um, it is it 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 it's a shame that neither one of those guys will be in San Francisco but i do have to say this the giants look slightly better before Correa to the mets stalled yeah that's right i mean like we we they aren't worse up. we no but look i you know we we said the medicals nonsense that was a presumption that was probably uh us pro uh, projecting a little bit too much the medicals obviously had something to them if the Mets are are getting a little cold feet now too but there make no mistakes the Giants have still failed in spectacular fashion this offseason well what it did if nothing else it revealed how they are viewed by top line players and their agents which is 
they'll be in the bidding war, so they're good for leverage. But if you can get out of it, do it. Because the idea that Scott Boris gave them a 12-hour window, whereas he's giving the Mets what is now, what, two and a half weeks? What's going on there? Yeah, and I also think that the the the, the Giants played this badly by inviting Correa's family out and then pulling the plug on the deal. I think that's how it got a little personal, too. Because if I'm the Giants, you know what I do right now? I come in straight up. Three years, $110 million. Three years, $125. Four years, $200 million. Do you want $50 million a year? We're going to go bonkers for you right now. Why not? Um... Because I'll tell you why not. Because Scott Boris isn't even taking their calls on Correa right now. No, I think he feels like he got double dealt. And I think in a way he did. And I think it's because Charlie Johnson either saw the medical and just said, I'm not doing this and pulled out completely. Or he was never that keen on it to begin with. And it, it, it got called to his attention fairly late in the, in the process. Either way, the Giants were told, no uncertain terms, we don't like your money. And if they don't like your money and they don't like the team that you're putting on the field and, and they, they don't, don't like the like, ballpark, they don't like the ballpark. They may not even like the tax structure. You know, you get to be the Detroit Tigers pretty quickly. Let me tell you what's coming up next, Ray. By our good friends at Fremont Bank. It's Warriors Roundtable. Kevin Dana, Gary St. Jean, an hour of Warriors talk after last night's just incredibly fun double overtime win. And they've got an awful lot to pick apart and put back together because there was an awful lot put on the table by the Warriors and plenty taken off all at the same time. It was great. It was an awful lot of fun. Uh, thanks to Michael Irvin for joining us earlier uh, today. Well, we did tease to this, so we should say it. What? Um, oh, oh, yes, yes. Demar Hamlin, according to his uncle, apparently his he was been on a, on a hundred percent oxygen. It's now down to fifty percent, which is an indication that things are getting at least incrementally better. There you go. It's not like he's not. He he's might, definitely not out of the woods, right. but he's cleared a couple of trees. He's doing more on his own than he was asked to do on his own by the machines around him. And that is a good sign. Hopefully, it continues to improve. Thank you so much for tuning in today. It was an awful lot of fun. We're back tomorrow. I know Peter King is going to be joining us. And in the meantime, uh, for Ray, I'm Damon. Appreciate you listening. Happy New Year one last time. We're not going to bring that up again. But sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that, he's gone. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. 
Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.